Welcome to What's on Your Souls, a relational podcast where you can relax and enjoy conversation, inspiration, encouragement, and motivation in a judgment-free space. Don't continue to drag around that emotional debris. Here's what's next on this episode. So how was your comfort disturbed growing up? Well, um, my dad decided to announce to us the month before I went off to college, August of 77, to come out of the closet, announce that he was in fact gay. He had met someone and was leaving the family. And he was a pastor. Have a seat on the porch and let's examine what's on your soul, soul. Well, hello everyone. This is Mia. I'm so glad to be back on the porch. Um, this is the What's On Your Soul podcast, a figurative conversation that takes place about all the things that we drudge around on the bottom of our souls, S-O-L-E-S. And I have said this a million times, when you enter or uh, hearken upon the threshold of someone's home, they oftentimes ask people to remove their shoes. And that's because they don't want, it, want whatever debris is on the bottom of your souls to be tracked into their home and to contaminate their physical space. And so this podcast is about all of the emotional, mental, and spiritual things that we drudge around on the bottom of our souls, S-O-U-L-S, and then we walk into spaces that are not physical and project and contaminate others. And so the goal of this podcast is to create a safe space where we can talk about relationships and those things and how we can gain an awareness and understanding and move forward in grace and forgiveness and start anew and know that it is possible to sloth off whatever is uh, on the bottom of our souls. And so we feel privileged to do that today. I have a very special guest. I have my friend, Lori Dickens. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm doing great, Mia. It's good to be here. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so excited. So Lori and I share um, uh, (laughs) history together, a history that is filled with education and a love of children, a love of music, and a love of God and our faith. And we had the opportunity and privilege to spend many years together. Is that your recount of our relationship, Lori? I would um, agree totally with that, but I would also like to add that we had a lot of fun. We had a lot. We of had fun. a lot of wild, crazy times at school. <laughs> what is what is a relationship without fun? And uh, joy is a commodity for me. So anyone who knows yes. me knows yes. that joy is on my top three, and Lori uh, obliges as well <laughs> in that regard. So today, Lori and I are going to spend a little bit of time. I feel like on the last couple of episodes where we've rested and we say the focus is young adults but where we've rested is learning lessons about how to do hard things well and how to love and relate to the people that are in our life and on our journey and the lessons that we learn from them and then how we need to be aware of those and how those profoundly affect us and how we move through our lives. So Lori and I are gonna have this conversation, not only just to for those who have been there, done that, but always in a posture of giving back and teaching so that those behind us can learn and listen and become aware and say, oh, that's what this is. Mm -hmm. That's what that feels Mm -hmm. like. And perhaps it will help them lessen their hard 
in some way. Absolutely. Ways. Absolutely. Because what is the point? <laughs> What is the point if not that? Um, and so I'm so privileged that Lori, anytime somebody sits here and they're going to share their life and their quote business and talk about the lessons they've learned, it's a very precious thing. So Lori, I'm very grateful. Thank you. I'm very excited. <clears throat> Lori and I are going to share a good lunch after this and mm-hmm. sit and visit. And I guess we're going outside. Lori said we're going outside. I think it's, I think like it's four, beautiful. I think it's like 40 outside. degrees. We're on the porch. We got to go outside. Hey, we, I guess we're going outside. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We are going to come back um, and then we're going to jump right in. And where we're going to jump in is I just want, Lori, I would love for you to talk a little bit about lessons learned, like where you, how life was going, where you got stuck, where it kind of stagnated, got a little swampy, Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. what that felt like. Because I think that's what relatable, and I feel okay. so many times people will not bring their whole selves to the table because they are, they are afraid of what people might think about them yes. or their story. Mm-hmm. And I would love for young people to understand the freedom that comes with, this is me, right? This yes. is my story. These are the lessons that I've learned. This is, these are my hurts and my habits and my hangups, and this is what God has done with that. Exactly. And if we don't tell them, then how will they know? I agree. Okay, I we're agree. Gonna, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll be right back. More conversation on the way from What's on Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of What's on Your Souls. Okay, this is Mia, and I am back on the porch with my friend Lori Dickens. How you doing, Lori? I'm doing really well, Mia. You have shoes turned off, soles upturned, ready to slough off some stuff and examine it and talk about it? Absolutely. I thought it would be important for people listening to know a little bit more about who you are and why you decided that you would say yes to my invite to come (laughs) to the porch. Can you tell us just a little bit? Why would I say yes to you, Mia? Why would you? Why would you? Because you're wonderful. Um, So I am um, a 62-year-old believer in Christ cleverly disguised as a music teacher and wife and mom, wife of 38 years, which is hard to believe, mom to two amazing boys that are actually sons. They're, they're in their thirties now. They're men. So, yeah, they're, they're men. men I keep, but men. they'll always be my boys. I know, but they're men. They'll always be my boys. Um, and now I'm a grandmother. To how many? To two adorable little boys. Two boys. Two, another, two, two boys. boys. Two more boys. And how is that part of your life for you? Unexpectedly wonderful. Um, It's a whole new kind of joy. It's a whole new kind of fun. No pressure, no stress, lots of prayer, but just a lot of fun. I love that. A lot of fun. And the reason that I ask you those questions about who you are and what's going on in your life, because I want to qualify (laughs) you at this porch to talk about what we're about to talk about okay which is i think when you sent me an email you said me i'm in a season of reflecting on the goodness mm-hmm. of god and what he has done in my life and how he has repurposed and refined and transformed and renewed yes areas and relationships that i felt 
uh, a little despondent about at one time. And I think that it's very apropos for this season uh, that we're in 2020. (laughs) That's this season. Because what has been in my um, mailbox and what I deal with day to day with people and walk with is everyone feeling that whole, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And this has happened in my relationship with my life or my expectation of what I thought it would be has changed. And I feel, I wrote down some words that they say, disconnected, distanced, detached, Mm. distracted, in despair, despondent, depressed. Mm. Um, And other people will say, but I feel delighted, right? And restored. And I have had opportunities that I would not normally have. So it's all over the place, which I think relationships are, right? I think relationships are in such a state of static right now. Um, You don't know who to trust, who not to trust. You don't know who likes you for you versus who you're voting for or not voting for, or it's just kind of crazy. It's that paranoia, right? Do you wear a mask or don't you? So then to me, (laughs) that is just a big um, display of what has always been going on with relationships, personal relationships. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so whatever skills and tools we talk about now or lessons learned are going to be impactful and beneficial, whether you're working on a small scale or a large scale, because I, I say this to people all the time. There are many advances in this world. We advance in technology. We advance in uh, efficiency. How human beings pop out in their developmental stages <laughs> never accelerate. It never just changes. is what it is. <laughs> and so uh, whether that is gratifying or disappointing, <laughs> it is the truth. And we need to learn how to do hard things well with yes. human beings and how to engage in the care and keeping of human beings in a way that edifies them and loves them, but also helps work and walk through their broken parts. Yes, and I think it seems as if um, in this day and age, people don't really want to suffer. They don't want to have hard things. They, um, and that's a big giant they, we want what we want because we're so used to getting everything we want so quickly now and so easily. Um, you push a button and you get a package on your door within a, a minute or an hour. And then you're put out if it doesn't come. Yes. You're and like I, looking it up and tracking it. Where is it? Right. And that's so I'll new to be able to track packages like, wow, that's amazing. But it's stressful because if it doesn't get there <laughs> when I need it to. When that set of <laughs> ping pong paddles and balls right. doesn't get on that porch when it's supposed to. We're going to have a problem. I'm going to have a hissy fit. Oh, oh. I love hissy fit. But I that's not, that. but you can't do that voice. with people. And I think right now people are trying to do that with people. Well, they're having hissy fits. Well, this is true. We are, we are having, having hissy. hissy fits in an epic way. Whew, aren't we though? Mrs. Dickens. So let's talk about, let's jump in. I'll just say some people I know maybe need to be in timeout. They might need to go into timeout. You know, I can monitor the teacher and me a great to. timeout, and everybody knows that. One time, this is not funny, but I can say it now because I'm no longer liable. <laughs> One time, I was on an elevator with a young man, and he was having a struggle or a hissy fit mm-hmm. or a tantrum, whatever, just having a moment. And I and I honored that. I get that. And I'm a very don't we all safe space to be with. But we were on an elevator, and we needed to get to the from the first floor to the second floor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm picturing it I'm my picturing great it. friend susan pendleton was was with me on the elevator <laughs> and i said we're gonna have we're gonna have to bring this elevator to a halt 
and lock and hold the doors until everyone can find themselves. <laughs> yes. And thus we remain for longer than we should. But it worked. And I just want to say every every now and then we need to be locked up on the elevator until we get ourselves together. I, I think that would be true for a lot of this world right now. <laughs> okay. Can we all just stop and take a moment? And we know better. Yeah, we so do. we should do better. Okay, let's talk. What do you want to talk about today? Where are we going with this today? Uh, and what's the lesson that is to be imparted in the wisdom? Hmm. We're going to talk about you and your relationships in your life, it sounds okay. like. Okay, you ready? Yeah, let's I'm go. ready. All right. So, um, Mia, as you know, I have grown up in a Christian family. I mean, I'm 62, so it's, you know, I, there's not been a day that I haven't known about the Lord but my growing up years were difficult, very difficult because of my dad and his, um, the relationship I had with him. And so it's interesting in t- society today where many people are having difficulty engaging with people that don't think like them, believe like them, look like them, vote like them, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think that's about, Lori? Well... I feel like people want to just kind of hang out with their tribe. Why? Because it's safe and you don't have to think and you don't have to engage in conflict. You don't have to really think about what do I really believe. Okay. And that's my opinion. You know, that's, that's my good. opinion. That was just a little, I just want to take a little. But I, I feel like, and especially as a believer, it's hard. I mean, you know, the Bible says we are, we are going to suffer. It's a privilege to suffer with Christ. But I feel like sometimes we forget that. And we just want to kind of cruise because, I, you know, all the external things going on in the world right now, it's a lot. It's an awful lot. It's a lot, and it's disturbing it's our comfort. Lot. Yes. Absolutely, and we do not want that disturbed. So how was your comfort disturbed growing up? Well, um, my dad decided to announce to us the month before I went off to college. So you were how old? I was, I think I was 18. So it was summer of 77. And life up until that point had been? Life until that point had been, I would say, okay. His, when we moved back um, to Houston, which is where I grew up, in the swamps and beautiful Houston, which I do love Houston. I'm Shout Me out too. to Houston. Um, it, it was difficult because his family made it difficult. It was a lot of narcissism, a lot of arrogance, a lot of codependency. And my dad didn't deal with that well. And I ended up being the mediator in the family. So all that to say, he decided the month before I went off to college, August of 77, to come out of the closet, announced that he was, in fact, gay. He had met someone and was leaving the family. Okay, and so then the ramifications of that, because, you know, we don't have hours for you <laughs> as Lori. You mean back in 77 when that wasn't really discussed? <laughs> right. Well, you were just, what? Uh, what did that um, oh, for yeah. you at that age and in that stage, what was that impact for you? Oh, gosh. Because that was your dad and you all had established a family. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is someone announcing, I'm no longer going to do that. And he was a pastor. Okay. So tell me what that felt like. It's important to know the words of what that felt like to you because that helps us do the dot to dot okay. of where it then led you. So how that felt for me was part of me knew that, 
you can look back and see the signs. I didn't know what it was, but I, I saw that. The other part was a lot of shame. I don't know why I felt shame, but I think I was embarrassed because of yeah. that was just so new and odd to mm-hmm. me. Um, I felt angry. He put us in a financial situation that was really, really difficult. And my mother, you know, so here she is raising two girls, one going off to college. I was angry that he had robbed me of my exciting first year of school. So how that manifested in it with me was um, a lot of illness, a lot of anxiety. That's when I had my first panic. Physical illness. You're Physical talking. illness, sick all the time, um, panic attacks, anxiety. I went from being a joyful, somewhat fearless young lady to being fearful, not wanting to put myself out there, not wanting to try out for things. I was a musician. I was a singer. And I look back on my college, and I had a great college experience. Don't get me wrong. My, <clears throat> it was wonderful. Met lifelong friends. Met my husband there. But I think had I had a better start and a better foundation, it's inter- I wonder what I could have would have done. But I also have to look back and see where God was in that freshman year. Right, that freshman year especially was really, really dark and tough. Okay. I, I have some thoughts on that. I think one of the responses that I think about is what is important for us as human beings is to understand that experiences mm-hmm. can impact us <laughs> in healthy or unhealthy ways. Exactly, exactly. And then once it is given to us, it then becomes our responsibility to become aware of it, mm-hmm. to understand the implications of it, to understand the impact of it, and the possibility of what it can do. And if we do not, we will spend a lifetime either pursuing that exact dynamic, unknowingly, yes, <laughs> or we ourselves will manifest that same dynamic. And But we, we don't put the dots together to figure that out. And I think that's what this podcast is about, is knowing that we are great and greatly flawed and that sometimes we leave fingerprints on people that, if they are not aware of what has touched them, yes, they continue to play it out in their lives. Absolutely. Okay. When Absolutely. we come, when we come back, I'm going to tell. I want you to tell us a little bit more about what that then looked like in your marriage. Okay. And then where you are now, like what brought about the pivot where you started to heal and have clarity and make choice about how this would continue to affect your life. All right, we'll be right back. More conversation on the way from What's On Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of What's On Your Souls. Okay, we are back, and I think it's important... We were just talking on break and production was saying that it's important for us to really be mindful and break this down because it's always a learning opportunity to understand the impact and not to indict with blame or shame, but just to simply understand the impact, right? What is before us. So you're talking about in the seventies, the late seventies that your dad comes out Mm -hmm. and he says that he's gay. And this is after he has established a family, he's married to your mom, and he has two daughters. Correct. And you are about to enter college. Yes. 
what was the emotional, mental impact of that? And I don't want us, as we listen to this podcast, to rest in the fact that he, we're talking about someone coming out as gay, but just when we make pivotal decisions that involve others, just being mindful of the ramifications in so many aspects and ways. So what did, what was that for you, Lori? So, um, as I was telling your amazing engineer here, it, you know, I think part of the impact for me was the time. And, and again, in 1977, most of my friends had, you know, two parents, no one was divorced. So the fact that my parents were divorcing was, was, was a huge thing. And I know nowadays you're like, what? That's not, you know, that's not a big deal, but it, it was a big deal back then. It wasn't common. And then the fact that he was gay uh, it was shocking, and how I, I reacted to that was honestly part of my, I think, my freshman year illnesses and stress and anxiety was because I literally told no one. I was so ashamed, and it was so foreign to me, and it, these were people that I'd gone to high school with and it was church, and we all went off to college together. None of them knew until I literally one freshman night, you know, trying to get money for this or that, and my dad was you know, he, his attitude had completely switched to this is my new life and you're kind of an inconvenience now. And so trying to, to navigate that on a monthly, weekly basis was really hard. So one night I literally had what I call a breakdown. And I remember sitting there, if you can imagine this in the hallway with the one and only phone on the hallway, we didn't have cell phones back then. (laughs) And I was on the phone with my mom and she said, you've got two choices. You know, you can either come home and curl up and act like this isn't here, or you can tough it up, call on the Lord, and let's get moving on because God's God's called you to come to college. He's called you to this place, but you've got two choices. And this stinks, and it's horrible, and, you know, she was dealing with it in a different way with my younger sister. They were living it day to day. That I literally had to come to Jesus time. I mean, I even thought at one point about killing myself. What can I do? Nobody's going to care. And it was just, it was really, really rough. Now, you know, to 2020, it would probably be, eh. But there are other things that, you know. And that's when I say we we won't tether too tightly to just the fact that you're talking about your father decided to. No, 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 There are so many things that happen in life that leave people feeling like that. I think 2020 as a whole has left people feeling very despondent and detached and isolated and rejected. Because I think about this for a young person. Yes. It's not so much the choice. It's not so much that your father chose another life. It's that he rejected you. Exactly. It was the abandonment and, and to feel that everything up until that point had been a lie. And so do you not love me now? Do you abandon me? So I do think this, and and the reason it, as I told you, this has popped into my mind so frequently is because people do feel abandoned. They feel isolated and lonely. And I know exactly what that's like. That's exactly how I felt. That's what empathy is, right? So when we try to explain to people, you don't have to know exactly what someone has gone through in order to empathize with them, right? We're in the same house. 
We're just all looking out of different windows on a different experience. But if someone would exit the house and do laps around it and count the windows and see what the possible perspective is, then we might be more empathetic and understand in that way. Now, how did this play? So how do you feel that this is all related to then your relationship with your sweet husband? Well, my sweet husband of 38 years. So we, we both will say that we were two wounded birds that met he had his own and I'll, you know that's his story to tell he had a wounded childhood as well um but we we made it work we based it on faith and hope and love and christ and i was so thankful to find someone who was godly and loved the lord more than he loved me so how that played out though was a lot of insecurity on my part um early marriage, even to the extent he was traveling a lot with work and I would worry, is he going to come back? Does he love me? That type of thing. It wasn't marriage ending, but it certainly put a strain on things. Some angst. Absolute angst. Uh And that comes from, it's the impact when we are unhealed in areas Mm -hmm. or we haven't reconciled, Mm -hmm. how we continue to project that and usher it in into new relationships thinking that it's about the person in front of us right not realizing that there's so much underneath that right and that and and there was not an honesty I think too that was the other thing is you know I would try to have a relationship with my dad feeling guilty that I wanted a relationship because everyone said I can't believe you're you know you're still talking to your dad and Again, this was back in... It's my dad. It's my dad, but yet he left me. So it was just so much conflict, so much internal turmoil that really in 2006, so fast forward from 70, so 81, I graduated, 2006, I had, I think, another little breakdown of, I can't do this anymore. I can't please everyone. I can't do the right thing, wear the mask anymore. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, because what that really <laughs> just, means it's is exhausting. What that it's exhausting because you're trying to be so perfect and right. Yes. So that no <clears throat> one would ever leave you again, right? Or mm-hmm. deny your worthiness or your value to remain. But I don't even know that we know in the moment when that's happening that that's what's happening. That's not what happens. It just feels exhausting. It's exhausting. And also, as you and I both know, in the Christian world, often we don't want to talk about hard things because at church, we go to church, we look good. I was on the praise team. Everything's perfect and wonderful. And inside, I was absolutely dying. And there's no room to talk. There's no space. No. no safe space to talk about that oftentimes. In fact, I remember telling someone of my story with my, with, about my dad and just how this has affected me. And the look on their face was shocking. And they said, I remember, well, we, we just can't talk about that. You just need to pray it. I'm like, I have prayed it, so... That's so uh, connected to where we are today, right? Yes. What we cannot talk about and why we cannot and what our rules are, our narratives about that. Mm-hmm. So where did the good come in? Where was the pivot? How did you mm. transform and heal and your marriage? And what did that, how did that happen? So the pivot came when my boys, who were then in high school with your kiddos, we were all there, came when I saw that Perhaps it had something to do with the fact that my boys were at the same age that I was when all of this happened, and it became just a lot more visceral to me. 
and my husband encouraged me, he said, you really need to get some counseling. And I thought, no. So I really, I just started going to counseling. I'm a huge proponent of counseling. I think everyone needs a little somebody in their life to talk about things openly and honestly. And that's what started the healing process. And um, Drew went with me, my husband um, went with me, supported me throughout the entire process. I wrote a letter to my dad explaining everything that I felt. He wrote a letter back to me. And that really is what started it. It was just, I think, the Holy Spirit saying, it's time. You have got to, you, you've got to get this under let control. Let it go. You have to release. Yeah. Right, because it's affecting, I was afraid to let Brad, you know, my two boys go off to college because then I'll be all alone. And, you know, it's all the what ifs. And so the, the Lord really said, it's time to put away the what ifs and let's deal with what was and let's make it right. I can redeem this. So what do you know now? How are you? What? How has that changed your perspective? How are you different now, Lori, than you were? Oh gosh. Um, I'm thankful that for the last few years of my dad's life, we had a very cordial relationship. I was able to um, engage with his significant other, but we're still cordial today. Um, I, I see that he he had so many hurts in his childhood. He loved us as best he could. It wasn't enough. It wasn't what it should have been, but it was all he could do. He was a human too, right? He was a and human too. And I think that's important for parents yes. and yes. for children to know when we're asking like, but why? And why, what, what was going, uh, is that a human is a human is a human, right? We are great and greatly yes. flawed. And that is why we are in need of a savior. Well, exactly. And we are called to love one another. We are called to love in the hard times and the good times. And I also was thankful that I never, uh, I was able to not back down on my belief system. We came to a place where we agree to disagree and being able to be okay with that. Is the goal of humanity. That was the greatest gift I think I've received that I can love you as a sister in Christ, although we may not agree on certain issues at the end of the day. It's about love. It's about love, but also that I have not compromised myself in yes. that, you know, and that's, it's kind of a, it's a, I don't know. I think the question behind that all the time is when we hold tightly to something and cling to it is always asking ourselves, why is that? Why is that so important to me? What does that mean to me? What is the implication? And if I create space to hear this person, what would that cost me? It's important that we you know, it's like a hoarder. You have to leave room to clean it out. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More conversation on the way from What's on Your Souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of what's on your souls. All right, this is Mia, and we are back on the porch for our last segment of this episode. Lori, I was thinking a little bit during break about the impact. It's so hard to consolidate a lifetime story into mm-hmm. 20 minutes. <laughs> so I just want to own the Especially truth. Especially the that. way I talk, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking, <laughs> but just there's so many revelatory moments in it and Gosh, yes. contemplative moments. But the impact, you were saying this was different for you than it was for your sister and your mom. 
Mm-hmm. It was. Can you talk about that just a moment? When you say it was different, how was it different? I think it was different because our perspectives were different. <clears throat> Obviously, my mother lost a marriage. And her partner. Her partner. Everything she knew to be true was not. And that was true for all of us. But I, I can't begin to imagine what that was like for her. But I did see her raise two daughters as a single mom and a school teacher. And she's fiercely, um, fiercely loves the Lord and just dove deeper and deeper. So that's the mother I saw was on her knees at night with her Bible open praying. So I knew we were going to get, you know, I knew we would get, be okay. She's just, she's my hero. My sister was six years, is six years younger. So her perspective is, was she was in the midst of the mess at home. She was still at home still while at home, you were still away. At, yes, in, at college. correct. So her perspective is different than mine, and I and I'm I'm happy to say that she and I are closer than ever. Um, but because I think we respect one another's place in that story, my place was at college, struggling to try to make good for the family, keep up appearances, do what I was supposed to. You know, I was there on scholarship. I was there out of the generosity of lots of people at our church that were trustees of this university that got me there. So the, the responsibility I felt was huge. It was my parents' alma mater. Um, so it, just the different perspectives. And I think we finally learned to respect that and know that we had not given up any of our moral standards in that process. And that's such a big lesson because from every story that we hear, here on the porch, the purpose and the desire is that you don't get fixated in the weeds of the details of the story, yes, exactly. but the lessons of it, that you, your truth, right? You can look out of one window in the same house, like I said, exactly, and see if we look out this window here, we see a swimming pool and a waterfall. If we look mm-hmm. out of this window, we see a street and a mailbox. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get on the outside of the house and walk the parameter so you understand what it is that people might be seeing from where they, and knowing that all that is, that is what they see. That's what they see. And, and to acknowledge the hurt was different, but it was still hurt and it's still impactful. Yes. And that's the goal is to acknowledge the exactly. hurt and be with it, not to try to twist it and teach it and say, they can't be true. Your hurt cannot be true. Correct. Yeah, exactly. You can't do that. I mean, well, you can. And I think we did that for a lot of years and there's a lot of resentment, a lot of frustration but at the end of the day, um, after my dad passed, again, we had lots of great conversations, and we are all on the same page. Um, you know, we just we agree to disagree on some things, but at the end of the day, they love the Lord. I love the Lord. You love one another. We love one another. Respect one another. You're there for one another. We're fiercely protective of one another. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> yeah. where you sit is on matters that matter. Exactly. And matters of the heart, and also um, that we're connected in a way that's supernatural because of our belief in Jesus Christ. And that kind of transcends everything. Right. If you walk it, right? if you walk it, if you walk it, you have to walk that talk. You can't just talk it. No. And the that's walking really, is where the weariness, that's where you get junk on your souls. Right. You can, <laughs> you can talk all day. You can talk laying down, <laughs> sitting up yeah. upside down. It's the walking mm-hmm. aspect of it and walking it out and knowing that sometimes you have to stop and pick up trash along the way. Sometimes you have to deposit things. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to detour. It's the walk that we get a little shaky on. Lori, this has been such a privilege. Oh, such a sweet honor. 
I uh, appreciate you for so many reasons, but most of all for allowing us to use your life as part of the lesson that we are to learn in our quest to grow better, do better, become more aware, more thoughtful, more gracious, more kind, more loving towards others, and to know that you do not know (laughs) a person's story within the 20 seconds that it takes us to see someone and sum someone up. There is so so much more um, to Mm -hmm. them, no matter if they're a young person in college Mm -hmm. or if they're a 62-year-old woman. We are Mm -hmm. ever-evolving, growing, repurposing our lessons, applying them, and we have to create space and grace for that. So thank you, Lori D. Thank you for asking me, Miss Min. My privilege. Miss M, the marvelous Miss M. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have some questions for you. You knew this was coming. I knew it was coming. Oh, man. This is the I Am From activity. Yes. And you will respond to these prompts. And what this does is it allows people to have a more intimate view of you and all the little subtle nuances that make you Lori D. Okay. The first is I am from, and you will name sights, sounds, and smells that you recall from your childhood. Well, you know the teacher and me, I already planned ahead. Of course. Of course I did. Um, So those are pretty easy. So the Arizona desert, that's where my family is um, from. Caddo Lake, which is where my husband's husband's family's from. We have a place there. And any beach, anywhere. What about the sounds and the smells? Laughter of family when they're all together. And what's your favorite, what's your smell that you recall? That's easy. Any Mexican food. Okay. It's <laughs> a good smell. It's a great smell. Is that, then we move to your favorite food. What are your favorite foods from your childhood? Mexican food. Um, my dad's family was from San Antonio, so that's a happy place for me. Um, making fudge on, at Christmas with my mom, you know, and doing Monopoly late at night, so that's a great memory. Okay, what about sayings? Do you remember any words or phrases that were said repetitively mm-hmm. in your growing up? The two things I remember most, and they, she still does them, is um, anytime I call my mom, it's, well, hey, darling. So it's a hey, darling. And then the other one is get up, get dressed, you'll feel better. Well, that's a word for the people. Get up. Get up. Let's get dressed. Get up, get dressed, and you'll feel better. It's like what I tell people. Just show up. <laughs> let's see what happens. Just get up and let's just show up. Let's see what happens, right? And then virtues or um, attributes of people that you respect, admire, and love, the consistent mm. ones. Like this is what is consistently amongst that group authentic loyal someone who loves Jesus more than they love me and um, someone that holds me accountable and I have that in my life wow everyone doesn't sign up for that one no but I am blessed to have group of friends that do that and we do it for one another and it's painful and that we you know you know that we've walked we've walked a lot of years together we have you we've walked a lot of years together a lot of whippings in there a lot of whippings in there and it's just such a blessing to know that there are people in your life how blessed am I to know that I have people in my life that love me for me and with all the the trash that I throw down and pick up sometimes as we do 
all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lori and I are so very grateful that you all have again invested time and attention towards us as if we sat here on the porch. It's almost a selfish venture in some way. Uh, because we are so excited to be with one another, but we are <laughs> we also are. grateful and hopeful that we have created a safe space for people to hear stories that they then can siphon out lessons that they then apply to their own life and knowing that we are all working towards truth and grace and we are just a bunch of <laughs> a lot of things trying to do it well to give glory uh, to God and not to ourselves. So we are so grateful. And our ultimate desire is that you find rest for your souls, that you sit and in the pleasure and in the intentionality of you and your worthiness and your value. Take your shoes off, turn them upside, say, where have I been? What's on? What has accumulated on this? And how do I clean it off and get my gate back and my walk back and keep it moving? So we look forward to the next episode. Take care. As we bring another episode to a close, we want to thank you and check out our website at miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. Leave us a message or feedback. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest episodes. And join us next time as we discuss what's on your souls.